Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 82 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up today with our guest, Mel, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Mel is a consulting engineer in the water industry and started with a bachelor's in French language and literature and then went on a couple years later for her bachelor's and master's in civil and environmental engineering in 2014. Welcome to the show, Mel. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here, Jeff. As you mentioned, I started out my education in a very different place than engineering. And some people think that that's strange or they think that, you know, it doesn't... um, People think that the language and communications piece doesn't really fit with engineering. So when I started in school, I actually wasn't familiar with engineering as a career or a profession. I grew up in a really small town. I didn't see a lot of different professions other than what my parents were connected to. So my dad was in the military. My mother taught primary education and I just didn't see the world of business and I didn't see the world of of engineering in front of me. So when I went to university, I'd say I was pretty ill-equipped to make a good decision as to what to study and, you know, to make any good career decisions. And I found that I found that the counselors weren't really able to help with that decision making either. So I think I I did what a lot of students might do. I left myself undeclared as a, for a major as long as I could. And I ended up with a lot of language hours and I felt like, well, I better I better finish something, so I guess I'll finish this language degree. So that that wasn't really planned out, you know, at that time in my life I still didn't really have any any connection to the engineering world. After I earned my first degree, I went to work in emergency management. So I was working on emergency response and disaster response. And after a few years of that, I knew that I wanted to do something science and math related, but I wasn't sure what that should look like for a career. What I actually did was I went on to the Bureau of Labor Statistics Occupational Outlook Handbook, and I looked for careers that were uh, combining math and science and had a good outlook long term for the career. Yeah. So, Mel, how did you, you know, so I look at, I listen to what you're saying and, and how you progressed and didn't have a whole lot of guidance. And then how did you, how did you determine that you liked the math and science side after your, your literature degree and you're out working? How did you determine that? Well, ironically, through reading. So I was reading a lot of nonfiction, and in, I wouldn't say that I was really good at learning a second language. I, I think it's really difficult to do that once you're an adult, and I didn't grow up learning, you know, knowing or learning a second language. So it's it's not like that was something that went really well for me, you know, uh, the the communications piece that I picked up with that was definitely a big part of my skill set in the emergency and disaster management space that I worked in. But I, I got to a point where 
I really felt like I could do what I wanted to do if I set my mind to it. And so that I think that was the key shift for me. When I was young, when I got out of high school, I had extremely low self-confidence and it took success in the professional world for me to gain that confidence to say, you know what, I can do whatever I want if I just put my mind to it. And so that that was what helped me make the decision to go back to school in this STEM space. How did you hone in on, on math and science? Did, had you always had an interest in that? I had definitely always had an interest in science. I was more intimidated by the math, but I realized that that was because I just didn't have, I, when I was young, I just didn't have any real excellent training or teachers in that space. So I, I guess I figured out that that issue wasn't me and that if I wanted to be good at it, I could go and apply myself. So I used tutors as much as I could when I went back to school for engineering and that got me through, you know. All right. Thanks, Mel. So I get it. You know, for students that are in the similar situation that you are, that maybe not be getting some guidance, what are some things that you think they should be aware of or how could they go off and get help to figure out what they could do in, say, the STEM profession? My recommendation to younger people is to think about not only your passions, but also think about what is going to fit into the context of the life that I want, right? So what kind of life do I want? What's important to me in terms of, do I want to travel for my job? Do I want to definitely not travel for my job? Do I want to have the ability to work from home? Do I want a high income earning potential? Uh, is it is being in a certain geographic location really important to me? Those types of things, just general life things. I think it's important to give some thought to to those aspects, and then look for careers in your interest areas or your passions that can accommodate some of those things. Yeah, Mel, I, I agree with that. I mean, my son, he was, you know, he's in a STEM, he's in college right now going for a STEM degree in computer engineering. And he started out looking at chemical engineering. And I said, well, you know, look to see where the jobs are for chemical engineering. And he started looking around and he saw that they were, they were, there's a high concentration in different areas of the country. I'm like, okay, well, would you want to live there? Because that's, you know, more than likely where you're going to end up getting a, a position. He's like, you know what? No, I really don't want to live there. So I'm like, well, then, you know, maybe you want to look at something else. I mean, you can always get a, 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 a job kind of anywhere with any STEM profession, but the, the high concentration is like, well, that's probably a li high likelihood. So you have to listen to what Mel is saying about, you know, you have to take everything into account. Think about what you really want and then kind of hone your, your, your path, you know, in that direction. Yeah, if I, if I could add something to that, I, I agree with you. I think that was great advice for your son. I, th I think the other thing to just point out here is that there are people out, out there who have one passion. There is, you know, a, a topic or a subject area that they are just completely enamored with, and that will be their path. That was not the case for me. I have a variety of different interests. I'm incredibly interested in biology and Indeed, when I went back to school the second time, I initially thought that I would do environmental science or something in that realm. And 
what I did was I looked at the BLS Occupational Outlook Handbook and also a couple of other sources. The the C Grant source, uh, I think that's put together by NOAA. That may still be out there on the internet. So looking at those two things and some other sources, I learned that the the career prospects, particularly earning potential with that degree, were not very good. And so for me, I couldn't justify the expense of going to school for that degree to only have that sort of capped earning potential that it it just was too risky to me. And so I investigated more and then landed on engineering because it's, and let me add this too. So this is something that I didn't have any line of sight to previously until I got into this field. So, so engineering is like, it's like geology or, uh, being a doctor or a lawyer. It's a professional program that leads to a professional licensure. And this has, I don't want to say more prestige, but it has more professional prospects than degrees that aren't like this, right? So you've probably talked about... When you're saying like engineering in general versus... So like if you went for biology or biological engineering, are you talking about differences between those two? Correct. So so if I... so, So I think that's a good example. Also, the difference between environmental science or environmental engineering. Okay. You know, if you do an ABET accredited degree in environmental engineering, you are setting yourself up for a professional path of becoming a professional licensed engineer in that field. If you get a degree in environmental science, that that's a very open-ended, uh, not specific degree. The degrees are going to vary greatly by university and it doesn't lend itself to a professional license. Yeah. And it, and that's, and I think that's important. You know, if, if somebody out there is saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't really care about that. Well, that that's fine, but you have to make sure that you have all the information so you can make the right decision. Not that you go down just the environmental science and it's like, well, hold it. I thought I could go do this. And it's like, well, no, you really can't because you can't get your license for it. Right. It's good to know that up front. And I'll look for some of those links, Mel, and put those into the show notes that you mentioned and see if they are still out there. And I completely agree with your advice, Mel, of, you know, my other, my daughter came to me and she's like, hey, I, you know, I, I like, I like math, but what could I do? I don't really like the physics. I'm like, here, you know, go off and research these types of degrees. And I'm like, but also make sure that what you're heading down, you can actually make money doing it because, you go through college, get something that's really enjoyable, but if you can't make money doing it, it's really kind of hard to succeed uh, out in the real world. Absolutely. So we're gonna we're gonna pivot a little bit here, Mel, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about getting through college. So you went through college kind of twice. What's some advice that you'd give to to high school students, junior seniors heading off to college to help them be successful? My advice to students in high school is don't wait until the last minute. So I think that students should, they don't need to figure out what major they want to study right away. But as soon as you're in high school, you need to be active in different kinds of organizations. You need to volunteer some of your time. You need to do those extracurricular activities and those things show 
the programs that you might want to get into that you can dedicate yourself to an interest and it it shows that you can commit to something and follow through. So in addition to good grades, I think that kind of activity and involvement is incredibly important, whether it's something related to a math club or honor society or being involved with sports. Those things can play into getting a scholarship or getting into a program that you want to be in. So that's one piece of advice. Don't wait. Um, I think my other big piece of advice that I would want to get out there is take a break if you need to. If you're not ready to make a decision about your career path, take a break. Work for a while before going to college and also investigate trade jobs. There are many trade jobs out there that pay really well. Uh, Some of them you can do immediately after high school. Some of them you can do after earning a basic trade certificate. And there's a lot of room to move up in those fields, particularly if you have any kind of natural leadership acumen, uh, certainly communications acumen. It can be easy to move up in those spaces because we're missing a lot of people. So I think, you know, like electrician is one that people might hear about more often than others. But one in my space that I see is uh, water and wastewater treatment plant operators. The industry desperately needs more operators. And it's a great place where people can grow. So I, I would say you know, an, an entry-level sort of operator can earn somewhere around 40000 a year. And then as the years go on and you learn more and you progress and you're responsible for more aspects of a plant, it, your salary can grow to, gosh, as high as 100000 And there's different types of places you can work doing that, right? So you can work not just for a municipality, but every single manufacturing facility has to treat their wastewater and they have to have an operator to run that system and make sure that everything is running properly to be in compliance with their environmental rules. And so they're important positions too. They have an impact on not only human health, but also protecting the environment. And and some nation. So, so Mel hit on a very important point there, right? The, The trades and I'll, also, I don't know when it started happening, but not going to college became a, kind of a stigma. It's like, oh, if you go to a two-year tech school, it's like, oh, well, you weren't good enough to go to college. I'm going to say that the, the kids that go to tech school and, and get a trade like like plumbing or like electrician, or I was talking to somebody the other day getting some pizza, and they were talk, they were, they're actually an elevator repair person. And they're like, we can't find people to, to fix elevators, to put it, install elevators, and these jobs are paying like $90,000 a year for, yep. a, for a trade. So, you know, students, if you're listening to this going, you know, I'm not sure I really want to go to college. I really want hands-on and I really like doing the trades, but there's a stigma. I'm like, forget the stigma. Go do that because there's so many kids that go to college. They get degrees. You can't make any money with half the degrees you get from college. And then you're struck with all this debt and no career path. So 
eliminate that stigma, go get a two-year tech degree if that's really what interests you, and just go do it. Um, yeah, and I think the important thing there is to let go of what other people may or may not think about what you're doing. Your path is is your path, and you get to choose what is best for you to do. So, you know, what would you rather do? Have a job in the trades that is immediately paying you uh, well above average or go to college for four or five years and have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and get out and realize, oh, I can't find a professional job because, you know, I have a degree in language. (laughs) You know, I got lucky with what I did my first degree did not lend itself to any profession or job that would make good money. I ended up in a decent job because of my network. And that was really it. It, That's all good conversation, Mel. Appreciate that. So any questions out there in STEM Nation, you know, please reach out to me, uh, ping me on LinkedIn or or reach out to Mel if if you're looking for some advice. Mel, we're going to close out here. If you could share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation, and then we'll say goodbye. I really appreciate your question. My advice for younger students, whether in high school or early college, would be to take a deep breath, investigate some ways to cultivate mindfulness, and take the time to think about what life priorities are most important to you. Those things should be guiding beacons when you're looking at making important career decisions. And, you know, it's nearly impossible for your average 18-year-old to make a career decision that they're going to be happy with for the rest of their life. I couldn't do it. So it's okay to course correct you can make changes later if you decide you've gone down the wrong path. That's totally possible. But what you, what I think I would recommend avoiding is avoiding what I did. It's better to, in your early years, make a decision that sets you up for some kind of success, whether that's a trade job or a degree that leads you to a specific professional path where you know there's upcoming opportunities. Like you mentioned your son doing uh, computer engineering. That's, that's a great example. It's better to have that opportunity and course correct later than to end up in a lot of college debt and not have the opportunity. That makes it so much more difficult to change your direction later because you just won't have the resources to do it unless you were born into an extremely wealthy family. Absolutely, Mel. That's great advice. And thank you for all that you have shared today. And thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that chat today with Mel. You can head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And please share it with a friend.